All right, let's go ahead and bow in prayer as we open. Lord, we thank you for this day again. We thank you that we've had an opportunity to worship you and to hear your truth through the songs and that we actually hear what we sing. We thank you. Lord, we ask you to bless and anoint this time as we look at this scripture. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 46. I've been ordered to mention it twice. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 46. Oh, yes, I was ordered to do that. So, Jesus is speaking, And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and hears my sayings and doeth them, I share, shall show you what he is like. He is like a man which is which builds a house and digs deep and lays a foundation in a, in a, on a rock. And when the floods arose, the stream, and the stream beat vehemently upon it, the house, it could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. But he that hears not, uh, hears and does, he uh, that hears not and does not, is like a man that's without a foundation built who built a house on the foundation of earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So here we see Jesus continuing. He's been talking about the Sermon on the Plain for this whole period of time, and then he concludes with what he knows they're going to do, not listen. <laughs> now, and this is unfortunate because this is really true of how all the characters in the Bible are, we see them over and over again for the most part, not listening, not obeying, which is good for us because we do the same thing. You know, we have the same problem where we don't listen and obey the scriptures. We'll make excuses on why they don't apply to us and all of that. Uh, well, God, if you just knew what was going on in my life, you would know that I can't apply that, that truth. And Jesus' answer is, you call me Lord. <laughs> Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you listening? Why aren't you obeying? And this is very true for us because we see this. What did Israel do? They were called out of Egypt. Every time they turned around, they were complaining and turning away from God, and God would show them a miracle. Have you ever heard somebody say, Well, God, if I just saw the miracles of the Old Testament, I would have believed. Or if I just saw the miracles that Jesus did, I'd have believed. No, you would have been just like everybody else probably. The, uh, a remnant believed and the majority did not believe even though they saw all the great things that God did. And this is something that's very important. Jesus said, he's, and then he gave us this story about, I'm going to tell you what it is like. He says, it is like a man that builds a house. I don't know how many of you have ever watched a building going up. Uh, when I was in school for my second degree in California, Right across from one of my classes, they started building about a story building. The first year I was there, they were already, they'd already been building it for a year. By the time I left that school three years later, they were finally starting to build the walls. It took them three years to lay the foundation of that building. Now, granted, it was by a river in California on an earthquake line, so they had to really make it deep. But they knew that if that building was not on a deep foundation, it would not stand. And this is very important for us as we look at our life. What is the foundation of our life? 
Now, before we're saved, we put, our, we put our foundation on all kinds of shifting sand and all kinds of really dumb things. And sometimes even after we're saved, we try to put our life on, on shifting sand rather than on Jesus. But this is very important. How true is that foundation? Sometimes we see these lean-tos and everything, and we know that the first wind that comes by is going to knock them over because there's no foundation. Uh, you know, I got this house that's built down in the wash one day, so when we do get rain again, it's going to be washed away <laughs> here in, in chloride. You know, I looked at it, I'm going, what a dumb place to put a house or a garage or whatever it is sitting there in the wash. I'm going, yeah, we haven't had rain for 18 years, a real rain for 18 years, but there will be rain one day, and that poor house better have a good foundation and better not have anything on the floor uh, because it will be washed away. It will be a great example of Jesus' teaching uh, when there's a flood that comes through that, that wash. But, you know, what is our life based on? Have I based my life, have you based your life on the truth of God, or is it on everything that's not true? When you witness to people, I've heard this so many times, well, I hope I'm good enough to go to heaven. They're building their life on their good works. Only problem is their good works don't even hold up to the storms of this life, and they can't stay good. You know, we're told that if you break one commandment, you are guilty of all. That's what Jesus said. That's his truth. Break one commandment and you're guilty. And people go, well, I hope I'm good enough to go to heaven. And I go, well, are you perfect? Oh, no, of course not. Then you're not good enough to go to heaven. You know, it's very simple truth. Are we building our life on the truths that Jesus speaks through the word of God? And this is something that is critical for us to look at because if it's not, then it won't stand. Now, there's a building in Ohio called the Wexner, Wexner Building, and it's, one of the, it's famous. It's one that's got staircases that go over, all over to nowhere, and it's got walls that go up to nowhere, uh, and you know, walls that come down from it, and it's supposed to be the postmodern building. Well, I was living, listening to Ravi Zacharias, and he asked them one question when they were showing off his building. He goes, did they do the foundation that way? <laughs> did they make the foundation with no purpose and no design? And the answer is obvious because that building has now been standing for a couple decades. They did not put that same thought process, you know, same thought process into the, to the base of it. You know what? He could have asked them, did they put the same process on the corner building that held up the roof? Because if he did, then that roof wouldn't have held up. There are certain rules that have to be followed in life or we fail. And this is critical for us to understand. If I disobey the rules of God, I will be, suffer the consequence of those rules. If I build my house against his rules, I'm going to suffer. If I don't get saved, I will suffer eternally in hell because I decided not to build my life on the foundation that Jesus put in there for us. And he said it's real easy. You hear his words and you obey. Now he said this after he gave just a few examples. And let's look back over some of the examples what he, what he said. He said that his followers would suffer for him. You know, in America we've been spoiled. We haven't had to suffer. We have a country that started on Christian foundation with Christian principles. But the tide is turning and it's turning quickly. But you know, you don't have to look very far. Most of the world suffers for Christ. Some of them still get martyred 
There are millions of people every year that are being martyred for Christ, and we never hear about them in America because it never hit, it's not important enough to hit the news. Millions of people being killed for, for the name of Jesus. A handful of people get killed for other reasons, and it's all over the news. People are dying for Christ. There are places in this world that if you become a Christian, you will lose your job, you'll be kicked out of your home, you'll be kicked out of your family if you don't die. We have it pretty easy so far, but the tide is turning even in our country. It's not long until we will be persecuted in America for being a Christian. Now, they'll all go to court cases and everything, but eventually they will lose even at the Supreme Court just because of the way things are turning. And we need to be ready. We need to be hearing his word and saying, God, I am ready. I hear people in America say, well, I, they made fun of me. They're persecuting me. Well, I feel sorry for you. I agree. It's not fun to be per I've made fun of, but that's really not persecution. It's really not persecution to be made fun of. Your feelings got hurt. That's the worst that happened to you. Uh, he also said, and this was a real hard one in, in chapter, verse 27, love your enemies. Oh, we love, to, we love to get out of this one. God, if you just knew what they had done to me, you would know that it is impossible to love them. Now, they just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And I can almost hear Jesus saying, but they put me on a cross and killed me. And even on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them. We're not being put on the cross when we're facing our enemies, but you know, we need to be able to start saying, God, help me live your truth, your foundation. And it's easy to try to make excuses, and we all do it, including myself, when we read something that's hard and try to figure it out and go, uh, well, God, you know, maybe. Now, we're not quite so blunt, you know, to him, but we'll, we'll come up with all kinds of excuses. God, I just don't want to be anywhere near them. I'll love them, but I won't go anywhere near them. Well, it's kind of easy to love somebody if they're nowhere near you and not making phone calls to you. But that's not what God says. He says, love your enemies, do good to them that despitefully use you. I'm not saying it's easy. Believe me, I'm not saying it's easy, but it is what we're told to do. And this is where our foundation comes down to. Where is our foundation? Uh, he said to give to others. Now, there are people that are very generous. They'll give to people, and they'll give to people, and they'll give to people, and there's others that are very stingy. They won't give to anybody. You know, they wouldn't give a life vest to a, dying, a, a, a drowning person. You know, they wouldn't give a cup of water that they have plenty of to somebody dying of thirst. God tells us to give to others. And then, and if you remember, he said to give even those who cannot pay back. Because it's real easy for us to give to people that we're going to go, oh yeah, I'll get this back sometime. I'll invite them to dinner because sometime next year they'll invite me to dinner. I'll give to them and they'll be able to give me back. The, give me back. And, that's, and he said specifically, give to those who cannot give back. He goes, if you're giving to those who can give back, then you're, you're just like the rest of the world. Little easy things for us to do. <laughs> Love those who hate us. Do good to those, you know, give to those. He said to be merciful. You know, this is kind of interesting. We all like mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. How often do we give mercy to others? 
we all want mercy. You know, give me mercy. Don't give me what we deserve. But man, that person, give them everything that they deserve. Go get them, God. Give me mercy, but go get them. And we all laugh because we know we've probably done it at some point in our life. You know, you know calling to God, give me mercy, but go get them. We need to be ready to have them be treated the way we want to be treated. It's not easy. It's not easy in one sense to live the Christian life because God tells us to do what is impossible without his strength. But our strength is being on the foundation of Christ and his truth. If we build our life on his truth and we let it change us, Romans 12:1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And verse 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? We get into his word. And we build his word and we build his truth into our mind and we build our life on the foundation stones of Christ's truth. And eventually, truth, if it's being treasured on and we're building our life on it, will be what comes out. And this is the beauty of this. If I'm saying that God is love and he's loving me, his love should come out in my life. If I'm saying I am forgiven by Christ and I'm living on in his forgiveness, his forgiveness should come out to, from me to other people. This is the hallmark of the Christian life. I love others because I'm first loved. And, you know, we cannot even love correctly without the love of God in us. Because we in our human being do not understand true love. Human love is always conditional. I love you because you're nice to me. I get something out of this. Now, for some people, it's I love you because I'm getting the joy of being nice to you. Okay, now there is some joy in being nice to people, but that should not be the reason that we are giving. We love them because God said to love them. The hardest people to love are those that have no desire to be loved, apparently, aren't responding at all to the love. Matter of fact, you love them and they get meaner. Now, and God says, I still want you to love them. I still want you to be nice to them. I still want you to be merciful to them. But God, every time I am, they keep getting meaner. You know what? Part of that is very psychological. When we touch them with the love of God, it draws them yet repels them. People want the love of God. One of the most powerful things you can tell somebody is that God loves you and I love you as long as it's true that you love them. That impacts people because people want to be loved. Even those who have been rejected all their life want to be loved and they're hungry for that love and they put up stone walls around their heart to block that love, but they want that love. And they don't believe that anybody's going to love them, including God. I've heard so many people, I can't go in that church, you know, you know, I'm so bad, God would, God would you know, bring the building down around me. I love it when I hear that. I'm going, this church has been here since 1917. It's not going to fall down around your head. You know, uh, it won't, it'll stand up. It won't, it won't fall down. And besides, God loves you. Jesus died for you. Pick your choice. If you don't, if you don't really like the word love, Jesus died for you. He died for you so that you could be spending time with God. We need to be able to share God's mercy, God's faithfulness, God's love to people. 
and people need to see it. This is what draws people to Christ. When they see that we're not like the rest of the world rejecting them, we're not like the rest of the world being mean to them because they're mean. They know what happens when, you're, when somebody's mean to them, they know what's going to happen. People are going to be mean to them. And then they're going to go, well, see, I knew that you were that kind of person, so I beat you to the punch. I was mean to you first because I knew you were going to be mean to me. And they justify their being mean by, because, by your reaction. It's a strange world we live in. Strange, convoluted way people think. We are people, so we think the same way many times. You know, but we need to be saying, Christ, you love me. I need to show that love to people. God, you gave me grace. Oh, do you understand what grace is all about? You know, we think about grace as God not giving us stuff. That's mercy. Grace is God giving us all of heavenly riches that Jesus paid for. We have everything. Friday night's movie, we showed a movie about the redemption, the value of redemption, the value of God's grace. And it was all about basically women. It was fe featured on women, but how women should be treated as precious jewels because they are daughters of the king. Now, we're all children of the king, but this movie was focusing on the, you know, on, the, on the daughters. But, you know, we do have to understand. We are the children of the king by the blood of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, he's not saying, you oh terrible sinners, you're so lucky I let you in this, in the, into heaven. He looks down at us and says, Jesus paid for your sin and what I see is my children. Now I'm sure there's time when he looks at us just like we look at our children and sometimes and go, what are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Now you're making it very difficult to love you at this point in time, but I still love you because you're my child. But he is giving us grace. And we've shared with the acronym, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's a very simple acronym. It makes it very simple, but it is. Everything that God has is available to us as when we accept Jesus Christ by grace. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, for Jesus died on that cross for us. He paid an ultimate price that, that we owed. We owed the price of death. All we needed is one sin and we owed death to, for, for that. And we could not get eternal life because of the penalty of sin. And Jesus died on the cross so that we could be saved. Very beautiful thing. We need to show this love to others. We need to show this grace to others and draw them to God. Ultimately, it's him that is going to draw them, but it's him coming out of us that draws them. We fill our minds with his truth. We build our foundation on his truth, and we try to obey. Now, note I said try because we're not going to be obeying perfectly. Now, and it's quite funny in our Christian world. We as Christians go, I'm forgiven but not perfect, and we use it as an excuse to sin. Okay, God, well, you know I'm not perfect, so I, you, know, you know I'm going to sin, and you know, I give my, give my way out. What's funny is the world looks at us as Christians and says, when you're sinning, you're a hypocrite. You're not living the way you say you're supposed to live. Now, it's quite funny to me that the world has too high a standard for us, and we have too low a standard for us. I'd love to see it switched around. God, I want to live in a way that draws people to you as perfect as possible so that people can be drawn to you. 
And this is the good news for us, is we need to be changed. And I share this with us all the time. Are you a different person today than you were when you first got saved? Are you a different person today than you were last year? Are you building your, your life on the promises of God, the rock of his truth, living out his life and being changed? And the beauty of this is it's not me who does the changing, it is God that changes. When I quoted Romans 12 too, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. The word transformed means metamorphed. And it literally is the picture of the caterpillar entering in the cocoon and coming out a butterfly. We enter in as one thing and exit out as a totally different thing. And I don't know if you know about this, but the, category, the, category, the caterpillar enters in that cocoon and goes through an entire DNA restructuring so that it totally becomes a new creation when it calls out of that cocoon. What does God say he wants us to do? He wants us to be a new creation, a new DNA structure not of this world, but of the spiritual world. The beauty of this is he does that work. And one day it'll be completed. When we get either die and get glorified or we get raptured and taken out of this world, whichever comes first for our generation, we will be glorified and we will be completely altered into our new body, our new way of thinking, our new brain. And I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to the day when it's all complete. But until then, we are in the cocoon living in this world. We are being changed on a daily basis, on a monthly basis. And we want to look at this because it is what we are supposed to do. He then, the last thing before he went into this, he told us to not judge other people. This is probably the hardest thing that we're told to do. It's probably easier to love other people that don't like us than to not judge. Because we always are looking around saying, okay, it's natural for us to say, all right, how am I better than this person? Am I worse than this person? Okay, don't pay attention. I'm worse than them. Don't pay attention to them. I'm going to pay attention to the people I'm, that I'm better at, and I'm going to go judge them. We do this all the time. We do it with other Christians. We do it with the world. It's natural in our DNA of a human being, and God says, don't do it. Why? because that's not what he came to. He says, I did not come to this world to judge. I came to not condemn, but to pay the price for. If we are in a state where I'm not condemning, I'm loving people. I'm praying for people. You know, and I've shared with you, I learned over the years, when I see something that bothers me, I start praying for somebody and God changes my mind more often than not. He changes my mind toward them more than he changes them. Now, I'm sure he changes them as well, but he changes my attitude toward them to be more loving, to be more accepting. Because who does the work anyway? God. Now, and some of the worst ones we do this to are the lost world. I have literally heard people say, well, when they get a little nicer to me, I'll tell them about Jesus. <laughs> when they quit doing that sin that bothers me so much, I'll tell them about Jesus. I don't know about that. God went to the, the people where they were at, what they were doing, when they were doing it, and gave them the message. Besides which, I don't want good sinners. I want people who know they're bad. 
People who think they're good sinners are hard to reach with the gospel of God because they don't know that they're lost. They're the ones that are going, well, I'm, pretty, I'm a pretty good person. I go to work every day. I do a good day's work. I don't steal from the company. I don't steal from the bosses. I really don't care about God at all, but I don't, I'm not that bad a person. I only tell a few lies every year, I don't, I, I, you know, but I'm, I'm a basically a good person. Never cheated on my spouse, never, never, never cheated the government on taxes. I'm, I'm good enough, I'll go to heaven. Have you ever tried to give the gospel to somebody that's pretty righteous? You know, they'll go, well, and now I think I'll be okay. I had one person, I was talking to them, and I asked them, well, have you ever told a lie? Nope. I go, you've never told a lie, never. How about when you told me this to, to tell the, your students this the other day, which was a lie? Oh, no, no, you told it. I go, well, I didn't tell it because I don't tell the lies. You know, but you told me to tell a lie to your students, so that is, you were participating in life. But there are people that literally will not accept that they have sin in their life. They're hard to reach. My prayer for them is God tear them, tear them down so they'll recognize that they're a sinner. I would much rather talk to somebody who knows that they're a sinner. They know they're a scoundrel. Because you don't have to convince them that they're a scoundrel. Some of the hardest people to reach are people that grow up in the church. Because we can tend to believe that we're better than everybody else because I didn't get into drugs, I didn't get into alcohol, I didn't get into all these things, I wasn't promiscuous, so I'm a pretty good person. I'm, somehow God was really lucky to have me grow up in the church. No, we were lucky to grow up in the church and hear about God's grace and have his protection to keep us out of that stuff. But we're, God wasn't lucky to have us. And we need to be able to understand the importance of God's grace reaching out to the world reaching out to the lost so the question for today is what is your foundation that you have on this why do we have this Proverbs 3 5 and 6 says trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not into your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths he wants us to listen this is what Jesus was saying hear my word obey my word now what happens if we do not lean on him we make all kinds of excuses uh, remember when the when the gentleman was here doing our singing that one sunday and i love that song i hadn't heard of excuses excuses <laughs> you know uh but you know it's so funny because that really is the way things go you know i don't go to church it's too hot it's too cold it's too dry it's too wet it's, the music is too loud it's too soft uh the people judge me too much they don't judge me enough you know uh, you know, pastor doesn't talk enough about hell. He talks too much about hell. You know, uh, the people don't like me, but the people, you know, uh, they, like, they like me too much. You know, there's all kinds of excuses that people will have, and we do the same thing. We'll have all kinds of excuses. I've only been studying the Bible for 50 years, and I still understand. There's times when I reach something, I get to something, and God, I've never seen that verse. You really want me to do that? You, I have to do that? <laughs> And I have to go into the little cocoon and God change me because I'm not, this is going to be a hard thing to do. I need you to change my thinking. I need you to change the way who I am because I don't know that I can do this. Yeah. And we all have these events where we're reading in the Bible and God kind of knocks us on the side of the head and says, this is for you. And I don't know about all of you, but I'm a really stubborn person. Now, uh, 
I'm learning to get better at listening to God. He doesn't have to beat me over the head with a 2x4 too long anymore. I still need the 2x4 more often than not, but he doesn't have to do it for years like it used to be. And I know I'm not that much different from everybody else. Where God says, I want you to do that. I don't think so, God. I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. God says, trust in me. Uh, God, I don't think that's a really, you know, that person, I just don't want to talk to that person, God. Uh, you know, God, don't you know that person's mean? That person doesn't even like me. And God says, well, that's fine. They didn't like me. One of the things that we do, the more we get to know the way God is treated and the way Jesus was treated, the better off we're going to be when we look at it. There is nothing that has happened to God that, that, is, that can happen to us that hasn't happened to God. You know, they hated him. They put him on a tree. They complained about him after he showed him loving mercy. He fed them for 40 years in the wilderness, gave them water for 40 years in the wilderness, and all they did was gripe and grumble and complain. God, you hate us. You brought us out here to kill us. You know, uh, you know, I don't know how many times you felt that way, but you know what? For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life that I now live, I live according to the faith of Jesus Christ. God is trying to kill our flesh. When we feel like God is trying to kill us, he is. He is trying to kill our flesh so that we will be like him. And the more we fight against that knife and that, that cutting away, the harder it gets on us. But the good news is, Romans 8, 28, for all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God. I love God and are called according to the purpose of God. He's got a plan. His plan is not to leave us bleeding from when he cuts away the dead. He puts in new life. He's, he's the perfect surgeon with the perfect stitches after he's done. And his, his surgery, you get that back up from really quick. You're not laid out for a while. But we need to go. So my question for us is, what is your foundation for your life? Are you letting God dig your foundation deep? Are you letting him transform your mind to new life, new ways of thinking? It's radical when you, when you do this. He says, the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. They think it's foolish. Well, how can Jesus dying on the cross pay pay my sins, and all the rest of the world can go to heaven because of what one man did 2,000 years ago. Because he's God. And then God said that that was enough. We got all these things, but you know, when you actually accept Jesus Christ and he makes you a new creation, all of a sudden, all these things become living and real. How many of you can remember before you were a Christian trying to read the Bible? And I hear it so, well, I can't read the Bible. It's just a bunch of words. None of it makes any sense. And then you get saved and you pick up a Bible and it all of a sudden just starts jumping off the page and it makes sense and you understand it because God is now inside you making sense of it and teaching you his words because you are a new creation following God. The beauty of being saved, we are a new creation that wants him, to seek him, to go after him. And it really is true that you will not understand the joy of God until you are saved. You will not truly understand the love of God until you are saved. You will not understand his word and the meaning of his word without being saved. 
And it's very important that we get to surrender to him and let him save us, let him crucify us. The worst place that's ever going to happen is for somebody to have gone to church all their life and end up in hell because they never turned their life over to God. And believe me, I know of churches where that's true, where there's a lot of people. One time we were interviewing a deacon and his wife, and we asked, we asked for their testimony, and, the, and the, the, the wife said, well, I've always been better than everybody I, that I know. She grew up in church. So we asked her specifically, well, when did you turn, recognize that you were a sinner and, and, and needed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? She goes, I've always been better than everybody that I know. She was 60-some years old, thinking she was getting to heaven because she went to church and had, was better than the people that she knew. We need to recognize that we are a sinner and come to Christ and accept that sacrifice. It's the only way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And we need to make sure that that's done. And I don't think this message is mostly for this church. It's mostly for the online audience. But, you know, we do need to know where is our foundation. The salvation part, I know testimony of most everybody in here, and I think everybody from their testimony that they are saved. But where is your foundation? How much is God changing your life? Are you being changed? If not, ask God to change you. If you're not his, ask him to be, your, be his. Tell him, God, I'm a sinner. I deserve punishment. I accept your death on the cross. Come into my life and change me. But we need to be looking at this. What is the foundation of your life? What are you building your life on? Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love and care for us. Lord, if there's anybody listening online or on, even on the radio, Lord, that doesn't know you, that they will, today will determine that, that they are a sinner in need of you and ask you to come into their heart and that they will share that with some other Christians. Lord, for the rest of us, we challenge you, that you ask you to put in our hearts the challenge of building a strong foundation and a deeper foundation and having our lives be changed more and more for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening friends, do you know God? Not just know about him. Today is the day to decide to become his child. God loves you, and Jesus came to die for your sins. In Romans 3.23, we are told, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. God says the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We sin and deserve death and hell. However, Romans 5.8 says, but God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you so much, he died for us so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. How do we do this? Romans 10, 9 through 8 says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Today is that day for you to come to God and truly know him. Do you know him? Do you want to know him? Pray in your own words like this. God, I know that I am a sinner and deserve punishment. I believe that Jesus died to pay my sins. Forgive me and help me to turn from my sins and to live for you. If you have asked this of God and truly believe you are God's child and part of, of his family, we encourage you to do these things. First, tell somebody that you are saved. Second, start reading the Bible each day. We recommend starting with Ephesians and then the Gospel of John. Find a good Bible teaching church. 
If this is your, your day of salvation, you can contact us and we will send you a booklet to get started on your new life and are available to help you with any questions you have about the Bible. You can contact us by email at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or by mail at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona 86431.